A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Frank and Oak. Go to frankandoak.com slash Canada. You'll get 15% off of any clothes you buy or check this out. $59 will buy you your first outfit. Pants and a shirt usually goes for like 110 bucks. 59 bucks. Frankandoak.com slash Canada. Ryan McMahon, comedian, host of the Red Man Laughing podcast, new season starting up soon, and founder of the Indian and Cowboy Podcast Network. We're going to talk today about Joseph Boyden. Oh, good. <laughs> That's all we're going to talk about because this is a big story that broke uh, over the break. Welcome to Candleland Shortcuts. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Kelsey Roberts, Dan McClintock, Melissa Barker, Andrew Farrer, Shannon Lambie, Monica Dutt, Alexander Calms, and Solomon Macy. Solomon, why did you decide to be awesome? You know, you present ideas from multiple perspectives, and you let the listeners decide how it impacts their lives. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away, but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does 
BetterHelp. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. What went through your mind when you read APTN's piece on uh, Joseph Boyden and what they call his shape-shifting Indigenous identity? He has been misrepresenting himself. I take him at his word. And to have someone, as it were, on our team, I applaud that. Okay, we're going to talk about the Joseph Boyden thing that uh, broke over Christmas. But I want to come at it a couple of different ways. Mm -hmm. Because the way that this played out was absolutely fascinating to me. It broke on the indigenous internet yeah. right before Christmas. Yeah. This was the only place to get news about this breaking Joseph Boyden story. It was APTN, the yep. Aboriginal People's Television Network, uh, their investigator, Jorge Barrara. Yeah. He did an extensive, extensive, well-researched, I think quite fair piece. Yeah. Uh, looking into Joseph Boyden's ancestry. And right before that, Robert Jago, who's an independent researcher, mm -hmm. he was tweeting from this Twitter account. Indigenous XCA, a weekly, a, a new weekly host on Twitter of this account. And they would tweet, you know, personal reflections, their own personal expert areas of expertise, you know, share stories and links and uh, work that uh, they were participating in in their lives. And uh, Chelsea Vowell and a couple of others sort of quietly reached out to them in Australia and said, hey, this would be great for Canada uh, or North America because Chelsea has also opened it up into uh, uh, offering the space to Native people in the U.S. And so there's a rotating host that sort of brings their own flair, their their own uh, personality to the account. And uh, Robert was Robert took day one of that opportunity to uh, blow this, this thing out of the water. Yeah. I think that because everybody in the mainstream press was both on vacation <laughs> and terrified of the story right. and how to handle it. This got to go through all of these layers of discussion, reaction, discourse, research, and I was immersed. Can you like take a stab at summarizing what this controversy is about? There's, I think, three pieces to it. One is sort of the a pre-existing conversation about his own, uh, as I think it was put uh, in the APTNP, shape-shifting identity. That's a, that's a pre-existing conversation, one that has been going on behind the scenes in, in academia, certainly in Indigenous literature circles for a long time. When you get 
big and famous, you take up space, even if you don't mean to. You yeah, know, you 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 take up space, and uh, and you take up space that uh, potentially could go to someone else, someone maybe more well deserving. You know, so some of us, you know, get to skip the queue. You skip the line. You just you have a number one hit. You're a, a killer book. Um, you're you know whether it's a one hit wonder or you just make one funny YouTube video and it goes viral. You get to skip the queue, and I think that conversation about about the space that. Joseph has taken up for a while, has existed for a long time about the space he's taken up. And, 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 but they were whispers. Certainly they were whispers sort of inside the circle. These conversations weren't happening, happening publicly, uh, never mind, you know, openly on social media. The fact that indigenous people in Canada were questioning, you know, Joseph Boyden as an indigenous person or his claims to indigeneity was a, an open secret or an open conversation but one that was not like blown up in, into mainstream media. But I need to, to say, I was aware hmm. uh, like a year ago that people were questioning this. So the idea that this guy, that there were questions about whether in fact he was indigenous or at least whether he was indigenous in the way that he has represented himself was shocking to me and, and seemed like a really interesting story. But it was one that I, I didn't really pursue because I felt like, well, that doesn't sound like my story to pursue. And it, it doesn't sound like my story either. I yeah. mean – it's an ugly conversation, um, however, a necessary one. And there are spaces where these conversations exist. In academia, certainly, uh, Andrea Smith is an, is an example. Rachel Dolezal, her, her name has been bandied about. Uh, Ward Churchill, another, um, you know, white dude who was who was playing Indian and became a really prominent voice for Native America, uh, only found to be, you know, yeah, a white dude. And, yeah. and there, there's a whole there, history of this. Yeah, there is. And it, it, it gray owl. apparently a gray owl apparently goes back to Joseph's uncle. You know, there's a long history of it. And I, uh, I don't even know why I'm having this conversation with you, frankly, Jesse, because I'm, I'm going to be killed for this because it is, it is one that, uh, like in, in our communities, in our families, in, in our nations, there, yeah. there, there is there is much fracture. Colonialism has done a number on on all of us, and it's really hard to really share in words, you know, just how deeply it's affected my family or 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 anyone else that I know. Only to say that you know there is a there are a lot of questions that a lot of us have with Boyden and his uncle like his claims are that there is some confusion and some secrecy there and and while that's true i think i think the research kind of poked holes in that the true story of joseph boyden is fascinating to me as we're learning it the true story of a guy who you know, commits to this uh, this sort of newfound identity and then becomes lifted up to be the representative and then has to live with that. And then the fear, I have to imagine, that he lived with, uh, knowing that these conversations were ha- taking place about him, and then linking that to, to, to the true history, not, not whatever manufactured history, mm-hmm. of this uncle who, I mean, this sort of has been, become a footnote in it, but it's fascinating. The guy killed a guy. Yeah. <laughs> His uncle Earl, who, like, lived in a teepee and sold, uh, f- like, fake Native artifacts. Yeah. There's and it was filmed. It was filmed where he he for some tourist t- took a rifle, pointed it at the camera, didn't know it was loaded. A court later decided, yeah. pulled the trigger and killed the tourist yeah. while playing Indian. Yeah, he he was quoted as saying, yeah, "These dummies, you know, think I'm an Indian." And uh, if that's the uncle that was part native, yeah, but was hiding it, 
he did a really bad job because he set up a teepee in Algonquin Park. <laughs> you know, like he wasn't hiding it. And so, and there's there there's some other inconsistencies there with his dad and his other uncle, ha, you know, and who was Anishinaabe. And let me run through it here because it's it's if you go through. And we tried to play a role of, you know, we, 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 you know, Robert Jago was was continuing to tweet about this. We said, why don't you just write up your tweets as an essay for Canada Land, and and w- you know, our platform is a great right. place for you to talk. Yep. And then we just sort of tried to clarify, like, because a lot of people come to this controversy late after Christmas, like, well, what is it that Boyden did exactly? What did he do wrong? And if you go through the history of what he has claimed, he's made a lot of claims. He has called himself Métis. Mm-hmm. He has no ancestry. He now confirms with the Red River. Métis, yep. the Métis as an established nation. But that's, people say that. The, the capital, they say the capital M Métis, you know, where the land base, uh, the language, um, the origins of Métis people come from, yes, that that territory. Other people use it to just as a catch-all for any mixed blood. And, right. and he's saying, well, that's how I was using it. And I apologize. The small the small M. Which is like a Métis. misdemeanor that he's copying to. Like, right. I shouldn't have said that. And I apologize to the capital M Métis. However, the idea that he would be guilty of that misdemeanor and not know the relevance of that, the guy wrote a book about Métis history. So that's a little bit troubling, but it gets worse. He he is quoted in multiple interviews throughout the years as calling himself uh, partly of Mi'kmaq uh, heritage. Mm-hmm. He now says, no, 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 no. I never said that. Uh, to the best of my memory, I never said that I was Mi'kmaq. I said Nipmuc, and people got me wrong. That does not seem credible when you look at some of the quotes, inclu- including quotes where he refers to, like, the, you know, there's papers in New Orleans, Scotland, all around the world. They've got Joseph Boyden calling himself Mi'kmaq. And in one of these, for the Times-Picayune newspaper, he, he identifies Mi'kmaq as an Eastern Canadian people. Mm-hmm. That's Mi'kmaq. That's that's not Nipmuc. Nipmuc is from right. somewhere else entirely. So it the, seems like th- that, that, it doesn't hold water. Right. Then he calls himself, according to... Um, Rebecca Tababendung. Thank you. Yep. Uh, who is the editor of Muskrat Magazine. She says that when he when she asked him who his people are, he said... Wasaxing, yep. There was a time when I met him that he told me he was from Wasaxing. He did, okay. And I said, oh, so you know Wabgijik Rice, a CBC reporter, and yeah. uh, 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 Musquanaquid Rice and John Rice. And, and it, there was just a, a bit of a blankness to... To his face, and you know, I know people from Wasoxing. You this know, is like, a checkable. It's just, uh, yeah, and and there was a period of time where I too thought he was from Wasoxing. They do not claim him. Uh, I don't believe so, and I think his mom has a or had a cabin there for some time. He, apparently, his family has a private island next to it. Right. Um, and then in another interview, he he refers to himself as two spirited. But in his context, he says, I really have a spiritual connection to New Orleans and to, you know, Northern Ontario. So you could call me a bit of a two-spirited guy. He's not saying, he's not making a claim. I mean, two-spirited doesn't mean that. It's not about that you like to snowbird in New Orleans. Right. And I think some people went hard on him uh, on this point. And I think he was, I think he was being a little artsy-fartsy with his his words and a little whimsical, you know. Uh, it's not a misrepresentation. I don't think so. And, and if it is, then he's a lot dumber than we thought. No. But I don't buy it, not for a second. But I think what it does show is that he's fast and loose with appropriating, with using these terms and bending them to his definition of what these terms are. And in different occasions, he's different things. And I will say I don't know many Indigenous people that do that. Yeah. I, I can just, I can say that unequivocally. I don't know a lot of indigenous people that take terms or, or even really, you know, concepts or 
uh, other nations' um, ideologies and kind of t- turn them into my own. Um, I'm very like the pan Indianism is, is a, is a real problem, right? It's the, um, it's the dream, like all Indians have dream catchers from hanging from their beds. No, you know, um, we can break it down into sort of, uh, different, uh, like powwow, right? Mm -hmm. To go to a powwow, um, is to go to a, you know, a cultural celebration. Well, powwow isn't, uh, done, in Yellowknife, right? Yeah. By the Dene people. They don't they don't have powwow music up there. They have a different style of song and dance. Um kind of a big landmass. Yeah, like, like yeah, there's there's so much diversity places. in that that pan-Indianism that when you get into sort of just generalizing, it takes our distinct histories away. It it it, it robs us of something when we start to water these things down and, and, um, what, yeah, what's happened here, I think, uh, in, in a lot of ways is there were, there was cherry picking of culture and of words or of, of, uh, ceremony or, or of, there's just, there's the taking of what makes sense for me or what helps me. And I, I that, that's troubling. Yeah. I am obviously really unfamiliar with, all of these specificities of different, like I don't know a lot about indigenous identity, mm. but I do know a little bit about sensitive bro dudes from Willowdale with exotic tattoos. Yeah. My read on this as an outsider, just trying to educate myself on the whole mess is that this is not a guy who set out to defraud and to willfully deceive, but there's no zealot like a convert Th- that when people from these banal suburbs of, of Toronto immerse themselves in somebody else's culture and uh, get appropriating about it, they can convince themselves. Like I, I feel that Boyden has convinced himself. I don't know his psychology, but I, I don't think that this is a guy who's like had, had a mission to fool everybody. I think he saw, he found maybe there is some hint of a trace of something in his, in mm-hmm. his genealogy and he made it who he is and what he writes about. I think your point of him not purposely setting out to defraud people is a good one. And I think it's an important one. And so I'll go on the record and I want to be on the record as saying, I don't think he's, uh, you know, a white guy that put on a headdress and tried to fake it. I think that if there is some, uh, uh, Anishinaabe ancestry there, if there is, and and he believes that, and and he feels that, and to the best of his uh, knowledge, that's what he's researched, and and if he has uh, embraced that because he feels that, and that's what he said, I'm Celtic and Nipmuc, and yeah. and, and uh, a small part of me Indigenous, but it's a major part of who I am. Yeah. That's what he said. Then I think what's happened is it's just been a slow burn, right? Um, it, and then it, he's doubled down, and, like, it, and he's know? doubled down, and he's taken up more space. And and so I want to be really including taking like award money, and but I mean, mm-hmm. what, once you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. It's hard to how do you? It's really difficult, and that's why I say it's a slow burn. I think that I think that um, uh, slowly his privilege and and the recognition started to come, and then I don't know more happens. Yeah, right? and and. I was on the national during I don't know more like me a dummy right we needed voices it was it was such a heightened yeah. time 
that people were being put in spaces where maybe they belonged, maybe they didn't, maybe they were in over their head, maybe they were they were the exactly right person for the job. I'll say, you know, Hayden King emerged as a really powerful voice at that time. A, a lot of the vo- prominent voices of today emerged around this time with really deep critical thought and added a lot to the conversation around I don't know more in 2013, 2014. And I think what happens there is, is Boyden... And, and others, by the way, start to be put into this spotlight and are kind of thrust into these positions where it's like, well, you were saying things during I don't know more, keep it coming. You know, what else What else do you, can you speak to? And- Media has a very small Rolodex. And, and Boyden, he was like good looking, media friendly, like uh, he became the go-to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think we should talk about this. I mean, look at I'm my last name is McMahon. My dad's dad is Irish. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm of mixed ancestry as well. I'm also white passing. I'm I'm privileged. I, I used to joke. I'm the first native comedian to ever have a, a CBC special. Right. I used to joke that CBC only gave it to me because I looked white, because I wasn't threatening, because when I walked in the door, I looked like someone's nephew. I didn't look like the native guy on the front of the blockade with the bandana and the camouflage. And that's a real thing. I think there's privilege that you get when you are are white passing, when you are a good Aboriginal, when you aren't rocking the boat, when you are uh, uh, posing and postering for reconciliation without doing all the hard work. And, and this is, this is the criticism is he's, he's slowly in this slow burn found himself in these spaces and he's not, he's not responding to community criticisms, to community questions, uh, but he's speaking for us And, and it's really problematic. And yeah, he's a darling. By the way, he's an amazing artist. He's a great writer. Yeah. Um, he has a good heart, right? Yeah. This Wenjack project. Th- there have been things that have been good, but he has to be honest. And if you're going to take this space, you have to answer back to the community that you claim because the community needs to claim you. And I'll use a couple of examples. I graduated university in 1999 and I moved to this city. I moved to Toronto and um, through time, it's 2017. That's 18 years Mm -hmm. I've, I've taken to get to a place where I can pay my rent, right? Where I I don't, I'm not worried about what's, what I'm doing in March to be able to keep my kids alive. I have a career now, but it's taken me that long. It's taken me that long to have communities trust me, to bring me in to work with their young people or to create projects with communities. It's taken that long for people to go, oh no, we know he's good. We can vouch for him. So I've earned it. And what I said in the piece that I wrote for Vice is when you earn something, no one can take it from you. Nobody wants to take it from you because by earning it, by putting your body in the space, by being there with the people, uh, they embrace your mistakes. They, they've they worked with, they know you. If you if you err, they, they give you a hug or a, a slap on the back and go, let's... Let's figure it out. Let's keep going. And this is the difference here. Why is a tribe called Red popular, right? Well, a tribe called Red got popular because Ottawa, their city, raised them up. And they said, you know what? We got your back. And they raised them up. And they kept raising them up. And we got your back. And then they pushed them out. When the community has your back, right? When the community raises you up, you've earned it. Right. And I think the difference here is that it could be argued that he just hasn't earned it in the same way. He's not accountable back to 
us, the people he claims. And that is the crux of the problem. Yeah. This all came, this isn't about ancestry or DNA. And I, I, I want to this, please keep this in. This isn't about whether he's one eighth or one sixty fourth. It's not about that. It's about claiming community and community claiming you. And if you're going to claim us, we need to claim you. And when he wrote the letter uh, in 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 defense of Galloway, yeah, uh, that was problematic. And um, this has been framed as a social media conversation or a, a shitstorm on, on social media. I can assure you Indian Twitter, much like black Twitter, much like other diverse communities, uh, Twitter communities, those are social media spaces, but they bleed into our everyday lives. We don't leave social media and go live a different life. We're still a community. We don't separate like our Twitter use from our, our circles and our networks. Okay. I'm glad that you brought up the characterization of that whole discussion as like a social media phenomenon, uh, because I want to talk about how this entire indigenous conversation about Boyden was was represented and misrepresented when the mainstream media caught on. We're going to get to that in a minute. But first, we have to take a moment to duly note some things that are worth noting. Yes, please. Duly. Yeah. Please. I would like to duly note the coverage or lack thereof of the complete abject failure of this year's Canada World Junior Hockey Tournament. Now, I'm a sports guy, went to school on a hockey scholarship, and I used to dream of playing in the World Juniors. This year, they're in Toronto and Montreal, and they can't even give away tickets to the tournament. These young hockey players are the next NHL stars, right? And when this is in Saskatoon, you can't get a ticket. When it's in Winnipeg, you can't get a ticket. But in the hockey hotbeds of the the home of the uh the canadians and the maple leafs um if you wanted a ticket <laughs> right now at center ice you could go get one hockey canada is just has has failed uh to deliver this tournament in a, in a in a meaningful way and nobody is covering this in the media nobody's talking about hockey canada and their failure at delivering this tournament and i think it just goes to talking about you know it, it lends itself to talking about what is actually happening with the hockey program here in Canada? I'm a sports guy. Nobody wants to talk about that failure. So duly noted. Duly noted. I want to duly note what happens when newsrooms that have already fired most of their copy editors go to skeleton crew over the holidays. Oh. <laughs> here's, one, uh, here's one headline from the National Post. Michael Ignatieff, throat singer, children's storyteller. <laughs> Among latest Order of Canada recipients. I think he's going on tour with Tanya Tagak. I heard that. He's a throat singer. There was another one uh, in, in the star the other day where I think they meant to say it, something hits a chord and, and the headline was it shits a chord. Yeah. I don't have anything to say about that, but that uh, I'm, I don't have such a sophisticated sense of humor and uh, both of those things amused me. Duly noted. All right. Um, before we get back into the mainstream media and the Joseph Boyden affair, I want to thank our other sponsor, Casper Mattresses. Casper, of course, is taking on Big Mattress and the Big Mattress showrooms by producing an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Time Magazine named Casper one of the best inventions of 2015. It is an award-winning mattress that will not disappoint. I sleep on a Casper mattress. It does not disappoint me. I sleep very well on my Casper mattress. And here's how it works. They ship it to you for free, and if you don't like it, you can sleep on it for like 100 nights. If you don't like it, then you just it, it gets shipped back for free. So it is risk-free. They will pick it up and refund you everything if you don't like it. Folks, it is made in America, and you will get $50 off of any mattress 
when you go to casper.com slash CanadaLand and use the offer code CanadaLand. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so the mainstream media was completely asleep. Everybody was off Christmas vacation while all of that was happening. And then they finally woke up and started covering this, not because it is a major story about one of the leading literary voices and maybe the predominant literary indigenous voice in Canada. No, that's not when or why. The mainstream media picked up on this when Joseph Boyden himself responded to it. And this is a problem that happens in so many stories that we're not interested in the story, the accusations or the, or the investigation or the revelations. It's only when Boyden himself recognized them and defended himself, then the Canadian press picked it up. And, that, and it was all through his lens. And the headline was, author Joseph Boyden defends Indigenous heritage. It was about his defense. It wasn't about, it wasn't about the attack, if it was an attack, or the questions, which I think were legitimate questions. Mm-hmm. And then we had almost instantly the, the opiners. And John Kay asked, he, the headline was a question in The Walrus, why is Joseph Boyden's Indigenous identity being questioned? Now, if, that's a, if, that, if he's asking that question, that's a legitimate question. Why is it being questioned? Well, there's actually answers to that question. But he didn't ask anybody those questions. He, it was more like a whiny plaintiff, like, why is it being questioned? Mm-hmm. Why, why are we questioning this guy? He's a great writer. And it's framed as a bunch of jealous, unsuccessful natives looking at a successful native going like, you're doing the thing I wish I was doing. And I can Explicitly. tell you unequivocally that is not true i don't know one indigenous person that wants anything from joseph boyden i read i read an insult after insult towards unnamed social media mobs when you're saying before this was not a social media mob this was that is compatible with what i read but i was disgusted to read so so here's john k asking supposedly why this conversation is happening in in indigenous circles without quoting one person, without asking one person. He was cracking open like 100-year-old texts about the history of colonialism, and he didn't ask one living indigenous person. Uh, Then he said, it still carries a bad odor, John Kay said, even if we may fairly assume that Robert Jago and Jorge Barrera uh, are proceeding from sound journal, even even if we assume that they're proceeding from sound journalistic motives. If that's even possible, they are native, you know. Yeah, and, yeah and that, it's, it it's happened like, again and again. Ugh, okay, this is where I I kind of kicked into action because looking at at the media is is my job. The other thing I, I I took kind of a listener's position, but then Michael Bryant of all people crawled up from under a rock and and he deleted that tweet. Yeah, yeah. he he called uh, this uh, Aboriginal people tacky and jealous for questioning Joseph Boyden, mm-hmm. and then he deleted that tweet and slunk away. And then was the Conrad Yakubuski piece in the Globe, Mm -hmm. the headline of which Joseph Boyden's lynching should set off alarm bells. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Twitter is annoying on the best day. Uh, But it's also so funny because someone screen capped it immediately. I didn't think to. But somebody did, and they go, congratulations on the last day of 2016 or whatever. Uh, <laughs> you wrote the worst headline of the year. Um, Which they later changed without explanation. Right, changed without explanation. I, this is not a social media attack. What we're talking about on social media, we're also talking about at our breakfast tables. Like, this is... It's a total red herring. Oh, Twitter is saying... No, human beings are saying this. Right. Like, some of whom are, like, PhDs or right. accomplished journalists or commentators of some of some reputation. Like... There's nothing to describe it but racist. Mm. It, they disappeared. I just watched it happen. They disappeared. All of that discourse and all of those people were disappeared by these columnists who were late to the party and just smushed everybody together and basically described them as a bunch of angry social media mobs. Like, And 
an indigenous mob of a lynch mob. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look, I don't have a background in like anti-racist activism. Like this isn't my issue. I just like see what I see. And I was appalled. And I also was was made aware of what happens when the mainstream media hijacks a story like this, because it was a very, as I said, intricate discussion. And then it became about this angry responding to Conrad Yakabuski, responding to the way that this was getting misrepresented. It completely shifted things. Derails it. Yeah. It derailed it. It took, yeah. it took it over. Yeah. You know? And it happens time and time again. And I, I, I will say with Kay's piece or Yakabuski's piece, when you're not engaging with indigenous people or with indigenous communities, you don't have access to our points of view. Yeah. This, like you said, this conversation had been going on for four or five days before anyone else paid attention until Boyden tweeted, um, until he doubled down. Yeah. I wonder what would happen if he just ignored it. I, I wonder if the mainstream media would have ever picked it up. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. I mean... Jorge Barrera is one of Canada's best journalists. He's he's a he's a really strong journalist, and he did really good work there. And and the, the, his access to the community is is deserved. He's trusted, right? He has he has people's I think best interests in mind when he's reporting the facts, right? He understands that community will react negatively or positively. He's done a lot of work. Where Indian Twitter have been like, "Hey, Jorge, fuck you," yeah. right? So he's a good journalist, and I don't, I don't know that the mainstream media would have given a shit because we're just a bunch of angry Indians, as always, right? This is the way it's been, it's, it's been framed. Um, I, I, there are indigenous people, by the way. I don't think we've said this yet, but on both sides of this conversation that are are supportive of Boyden. In my Vice piece, I talk about three different camps. One that is scared shitless to even talk about this yeah. because of their own identity issues, because of how personal it is and how painful it is. There's another camp where they're saying, just this is let this go away. It's too it's ugly. Like he's native. Stop. Right. And then there's a third camp, which is a little bit more critical and, and saying, like, well, if he is, then he has to come to us and he has to be accountable. Which is, I think that that's the point that you made. I think it's the point that Robert Jago was making. And it's ultimately the point that Wab Canoe made in The Globe. Mm -hmm. Yesterday. What what did you make of that piece? Well, oh boy. Well, okay. So Wab is a, is a, is a good friend of mine uh, as well. And he will listen to this. And his point of having space in the circle for everybody is the same point I made. Um, that we all belong in this circle, if you will, the metaphor for the community. We all do belong here. We all have something to add or something to contribute. In his piece, he's he's saying in in his circle, what you know, there is a place for Boyden, and and he has earned it, and he deserves it. I argue differently. I don't think he earned it, and I don't know if he deserves it. I think that'll be determined by his next move by what he actually does. You know, he wants solidarity in all of these different issues, right? He wants solidarity with missing and murdered indigenous women, but he's not, he's not involved in that community, but he speaks for them. Um, he needs, if, if, if I'm going to accept Wob's peace uh, as a go forward premise on, on how we continue to walk from, from this point, I think we all need to see that things are going to change with the way he engages with community, you know. He, after the Galloway thing, where he wrote the letter, in, I don't care what anyone says, it was in support of Stephen Galloway. Um, yeah. 
period. They're friends. Like, just how can it not be? The response to that by indigenous women and two-spirit people was that like, hey, Joseph, man, like we're in the in the beginning stages of a national inquiry into murder to missing indigenous women. Indigenous women experience uh, violence and sexual violence six times the national average. Bro, dude, are you on the right side? You're an indigenous yeah. man. Kind of giving this guy a get out of jail. Throwing free the accusers card. under the bus, pretty yeah. much. And, um, um, do you see the conflict there? And and he doubled down and 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 called them trolls, yeah. right? Like saying he wished that they got this mad about uh, the actual issue and not this ma- this angry at him. And uh, this was the thing that this was the tipping point for many, where they went, you know what, you fuck you. You clearly don't give a shit about this community if you're not going to engage us on the on the fundamental principles, right? And I think that's why this happened. Now he he had been given a pass until that, and a it's thousand like, percent it, until you betray the people who are giving you that pass. And, and this then. is the context that Kay is missing, yeah. Yakubuski is missing, is that there are if you can believe it or not, there are critical discussions happening in indigenous communities. Yeah. I, I have to push back though on your description of Wab's piece, because, and this is interesting that you, that I think it was position and the headline, there's room in our circle for Joseph Boyden. I think a lot of people who read that, read that as a conciliatory gesture, like here's the final word on this, Boyden is welcome. In fact, Wab says a lot of the same things you say. He says that like, yes, there may be a place for Boyd in our circle, but he needs to come clean. If he's not native, he should confess. He needs to be direct with us about his ancestry. He may owe some of our friends apologies. If he has one ancestor generations back, he should explain who they were. It was a very carefully calibrated and very, I think, beautifully written piece. Mm-hmm. And it left me with a lot of respect for Wob as a politician. It left me with questions as well, because it was interesting to me that he chose to publish that in the Globe and Mail. And he was talking to indigenous people through the Globe and Mail. And he took that same swipe. There's the social media loop. He didn't name any names or give anyone any credit for having this conversation before him or for asking those questions in the first place. They don't exist. They were made invisible. And here he is in the globe telling everybody else, like, he's going to be the voice of reason saying, settle down, everybody. Mm -hmm. We can make room for Joseph Boyden if he meets these conditions. And I think it was a performance for the Globe and Mail readership of Wob's leadership role and his ability to kind of be the – be a – it's subtle, yeah. and he was just writing, and you know, Hayden King was also in the Globe and Mail. But I think that there were choices there, and it felt to me like a very deliberate message. Yeah, and I, I th- it, it definitely was a very deliberate message, and I think it toes the line that we expect from Wob. Wob is a very balanced and fair voice. He's a he's a powerful voice uh, as well. But there's also a lot of pushback on Wob's piece. Oh yeah, and and just dig around, and and you'll find it. And what people are saying is, who said? Who says there is a yeah. place? He lied. And if he lied, who are we allowing in our circle? And if there are adopt, and by the way, ado- indigenous adoption isn't a metaphor. It isn't like a, hey, Jesse Brown, you're my homie and we like the same coffee shop. You're my bro. No, we, in, a, in an adoption uh, uh, ceremony and, and that process, that is, that, that takes... Uh, commitment and time and relationships that go deep, yeah. and and that is that is uh, 
such an involved, real thing. Somebody tweeted, by the time this is done, he'll be adopted by five different nations and have like six new names. Right. And and I think people people said, yes, adoption, don't use it as a metaphor. It's not an honorary di- diploma. Right. Right. Um, so if adoption is, is part of our practice, so is uh, banning people from the community. And that's yeah. true too. And so I, I wonder, I think, I think I want, what I'm sitting here today kind of thinking about what's next like i wonder a what joseph is going to say if anything but then b what the how the communities are actually going to react because make no mistake this was i want to say it again we've said a few times this isn't a social media conversation people are talking about this right they're talking about who we are letting into our communities and why and i think that that's an important conversation and i think that you know as we as we we talk about rebuilding our communities into healthy and 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 uh, uh, exciting places to be. Uh, these are some of the critical conversations that we have to have. And yeah, but it's hypothetical at this point whether or not there's a place for him should he come clean and tell the truth because he hasn't done that yet. So you know, I guess what we keep coming back to is like before reconciliation could even be discussed, there's got to be truth. And by the way, there's huge stakes involved here. When you're sitting in the the private box with the prime minister at the tragically hip farewell concert, Order of Canada, you have Miller influence. Prize, yeah, the whole thing. You have influence yeah. on public policy. You you have the ear. You can send your homie a text, and your homie just happens to be the PM. So Indigenous people are concerned mm-hmm. that there is this spokesperson out there that is not connected to the work they're doing on the on the ground who can potentially have huge influence those stakes could not be more real and they could not be um, higher for indigenous grassroots people you know the, the, there are stakes for uh, the rest of Canada for non-indigenous Canada as well in that we really have to look in the mirror and say who do we want to like do we really actually want to hear from indig- indigenous people or not because a lot of our actions sh- seem to suggest that we don't that we want to hear from Gord Downey, that we want to hear from Joseph Boyden, and we don't actually want to hear, and 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 we we erase and disappear the actual people talking about this, like they're not even mentioned when we cover the stories about them. Mm-hmm. Can we take a second to just regard the offense of some columnist at the Globe and Mail or elsewhere saying to Indigenous people, "Shut up." you don't get to choose who represents you at that level. Right. Shut up. Yeah. Shut, shut up. I like his book. It was indigenous. Like, I mean, the Conrad piece begins, he made it about him, about how when he came back to Canada after a few years in the States, reading Boyden's work helped him reconnect with his own Canadian identity. Mm-hmm. Shut up. This guy's Indian enough for me. Mm-hmm. I want him to represent you. You don't get to choose who represents you. I mean- that is an appalling assertion. Mm-hmm. And it's being made, like I really feel sometimes when I read this stuff that we are 50 years behind the rest of the world when it comes to these racial issues. And, and it's, it's, it's I, I agree. I, th- I think it's true. And it's something that we want to shy away from, but it's something that if in, in this conversation we have to face head on is that there are people that uh, Canadians are comfortable with. You know, they, got, they get to know them. 
right? Yeah. And, and the message is on point. The message aligns with uh, the politics uh, of the day. And uh, I think the best I can do rather than give my opinion on, you know, what T. Joseph is thinking or doing, I can only, I tried to do this in my vice piece, make it about me and my experiences and how belonging relationships and community are actually so intricately tied to this. And you, you write about how when you try to appropriate beadwork and designs from other nations, right. your family... My grandmother kicked my ass. I was like, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't even know who you are, you know? Um, she called me a powwow clown, uh-huh. you know, because I was, yeah, taking bits and pieces from everywhere. And it's so important, right? And that if you are going to take the space as this role model or as this speaker for the people that you earn that, that, that way, you, you earn your place there. And that's, is, that is what is in question here. I am aware of the space I take up. I try to disappear myself a lot of the times because I don't want to be the person that's always talking. Like if you are going to be the guy, right? That takes a lot of work. I, I, I only know a few really exceptional people that I trust or could trust to speak on issues because I know they're rooted in a community reality because I know that these, these people have done the work to earn the trust of the people. This is a very short list. Justice uh, and Senator Murray Sinclair, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Cindy Blackstock, Pam Palmiter is is on that list. Hayden King. We push those people forward to do that work for us, to do that job, if you will. Those people understand and know and accept that responsibility, right? So the stakes are high when when someone takes it upon themselves to be that person without the blessing of the community. In many regards in Indigenous communities, it is Indigenous women doing the big work behind the scenes, doing the big work to to make things happen. And then we end up getting the same handful of spokespeople that didn't, arguably didn't, earn their place there. And that's the foundation of this whole problem. That's the question that is being asked. That's why people need to know who the fuck this guy is. Because he's there and he's taken up space and the people want answers. That's what this was about. That is your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me anytime. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send me and I respond when I can. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. I'm at RM Comedy. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site, patreon.com slash canadaland. The show is produced by Katie Jensen. Syndication is handled by Russell Gregg. If you like what we do, please support us. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada Land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com 
slash join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.